0: Genesis 37, verse number one. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. (coughs) (coughs) Verse number five. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, shalt thou indeed reign over, over us or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Verse number nine. And he dreamed yet, <clears throat> excuse me, another dream, And told it to his brethren and said, behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren and his father rebuked him. Now, this is really, we're going to kind of slow down a little bit. I'm just going to talk about a few things here. His father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? Verse number 11, and then I'm going to stop. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Verse number nine. And he dreamed yet another dream. I hope somebody's listening today to really dream again. Dream again. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for truth. Thank you for the people of God. Thank you for our visitors here today. I pray you touch all those that wanted to be here, but were too, too sick to be here. pray you touch each and every one of them. And I pray that you're with us today in a special measure. We ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Our friend Joseph violated a cardinal rule. Do not share your dreams with people that don't love you. The basic human response is manifested very clearly here for us. It gets worse, but initially it said his brethren envied him. A little different from je- jealousy. They envied him. They did not want to see him get ahead. If God ever speaks something to you, and I believe that God still speaks to people in the 21st century, I believe that God still reveals things to people in the 21st century. If you're part of this large group in Western culture that are what they call cessationist, that's with a C, cessationist. They believe that the gifts have ceased, that God has ceased communicating with people like that. I'm just here to blow that that man-made perception out of the water. I want to tell you that God is still communicating with people in the 21st century. But when God begins to cultivate something in your life, that has magnitude to it and has breadth and depth to it. Be careful who you share that with. Because not everybody's going to rejoice over your future. It It is a nasty human trait that Surely nobody here has this, but it's a nasty human trait. that People want, want everybody to go down together. Well, I got news for that opinion. There are some people that are going up, and there are some people that will be a success, and there are some people that will be blessed, and there are some people that will believe the word of God at face value. There are some people that will live for God. There are some people that will pray every day. There are some people that will actually read their Bible. There are some people that have already had enough of the world and really do want to believe what's in that book. And no devil is going to stop them. No spirit of envy is going to stop them. I wish you'd help me preach right now. No devil, no world, no attitude, no br- brethren that want to walk out, no No antichrist, no... There are some people that are in love with Jesus. There are some people that believe that the promises of God are yea and amen. There are some people, it may not be you, but there are some people that have already had their belly full of the world and their belly full of everything the devil wants to put between their ears. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. There are some people that have already been there and done that, and they said, no, 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 no. I ain't never going back. I ain't never walking that way. I ain't never living that way. I ain't, Don't ever try to take my praise. You can't have my victory. You can't have my prayer life. You can't have my walk with God. Somebody give your clap your hands and give God the praise. Maybe you're not tired. Maybe you're not the one that's made up your mind. But we're being patient, hoping that you'll get sick and tired of being sick and tired and realize I, too, can have a walk with God. I, too, can have a walk with Jesus. I, too, can have a prayer life. I, too, can have the victory. I, too, can walk on the backs of the devil. I, too, can have a promise. I, too, can have a prophecy. Everybody in the house, give him praise. I know there's some people that ain't there yet, but I'm not giving up on nobody. I'm not giving up on people that ain't here today. I'm not giving up on people that are here today. I'm not giving up on the human race because the blood is an eternal principle that was shed for, oh, come on somebody. The blood, the water, the spirit. I really feel like God spoke to me when I was on this platform just a few moments ago as this choir was clearing the atmosphere of every lying devil and clearing the atmosphere of the worldly spirit of doubt and clearing the atmosphere of a religious spirit. I believe God spoke to me and said the reason why there is a tug-of-war in the pew is because there's some people that ain't really living this. You're coming here and you know, you already know you ain't really living this. I didn't come here to condemn you. I did not come here to put you down. What I did come to was serve notice on that spirit that your day might be today, your day might be next week, your day might be in January of 2024. But the reason why you can't lift your hands and you're looking around to see who's here and who ain't here. There's only one person here that's really got my attention. There's only one here. that's. Let's go ahead and praise him. Come on, tell your flesh you will praise him. He is the creator of your frame. He is the creator of your body. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I will make it obey the word of God. I will make it obey the spirit of God. I will make it obey. Hallelujah. But that's why some people can feel this tug of war. Is because there's some people that know that when you leave here, you ain't gonna be living right. I didn't come to condemn you, I came to give you hope. Maybe today it's time for you to just take off those garments. And put on the garment of praise and say, you know what? I've been through this Sunday after Sunday and month after month and year after year. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of feeling dirty. I'm tired. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just, certain, I'm just letting that spirit know that came in here on the back of somebody. We got your number. We know who you are. You ain't got no business in the human race. We cast you out of this place. We cast you off that life by the authority of the name of Jesus. Go ahead and give him Praise. I wouldn't wouldn't give you anything for a pastor that wouldn't want to see people get free. If you're going to take the time to get dressed up and look pretty and smell good, you ought to at least say, I'm doing this for Jesus. I ain't doing this for the guy sitting over here. I'm not doing this for the head of the Sunday school department. I'm not doing this for the pastor. I'm doing this because Jesus saved me. Jesus called me out. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus rose. The dead. Jesus poured out his spirit. Jesus healed me. Jesus delivered me. Jesus brought me. And Jesus will take me. Everybody, clap your hand. Don't let sickness stop you. That's right. That's right. pastor begins to blow the trumpet like that, he is serving notice. He is serving notice on the spirit world that I already know what's happening. Jesus instructed the seven churches of Asia Minor, he did not tell the choir director. Thank God for the choir director. But Jesus did not reveal the condition of that church that if they didn't repent, they weren't going to make it. That was on the shoulders of the man of God, the angel of those congregations. And so you ought to be glad when somebody begins to walk down that road. And it's not personal. It's not, well, he's trying to He's trying to do this to me. You need to get rid of that spirit because that spirit will begin to buck when the spirit of God is trying to bless you. And the spirit of God is trying to deliver you. And the spirit of God has something specifically for you. But after, after you shake it off, and I don't want to be convicted, and I don't want to do that today, and I didn't come to mess my hair up. You know what, let's clap our hands and give God some praise right now. I'm starting to feel like it's home. I'm starting to feel like it's home. You say, well, I'm used to an ecumenical kind of a setting. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that's why you've got to have a revelation of the word of God. Thank God that we've got what we've got. There is a liberty in this house. When you see this 69-year-old man take a lap, I'm not doing it to show off. I'm doing it because I can do it. The biggest lie that your flesh will tell you is I don't feel like doing that. That proves right there your mind is not where you're supposed to be. Your mind is not supposed to be on what your flesh is telling you. Your mind's supposed to be telling you God was good this week. I had a prayer meeting this week and I felt him all over me and he spoke to me and he's gonna feel it all over me, right? Somebody needs to break the shackles and break the chains and say, I can still lift my hand. I can still lift my voice. I can still believe the word of God. Some of our precious older saints, I felt the spirit of depression on some of you. When you when you retire, that's no time for let a spirit of depression move in because you don't know what to do with yourself. that that That's time. That's time for you to refire. That's time for you to turn on the afterburners and say, you know what? I may not, I may not see next week, but I'm going to go out with a blaze of glory. I may not see 2024, but guess what? I'm going to go out rebuking the devil. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out giving Bible studies. I'm going to go out handing out church cards. I'm going to go out knocking doors. I'm going to go out witnessing. I'm going to go out with my testimony. Oh, Let's praise him some more. 39 years ago today, I walked into the Rock Church in Sacramento, California. That might not mean much to you. That means everything to me. From that point forward, the devil made himself known to me. Before that, I was running with the devil and didn't even know he was in my life. But when I walked into the Rock Church that morning... I made up my mind I was gonna come back that night and I'll never forget I was sitting about where Brother Isaac Roberts is and the devil was talking to me that entire service and he was telling me you don't want this you don't really want this you can't do this again you won't be able to go up you won't be able to party anymore you won't be able to run around anymore you won't be able to do this and I thought man I have never heard these kind of voices going like this but they knew that I was within the zone of totally getting free if you've got those voices the best thing you can do is run to this altar today and say I'm not going to put up with this a day longer If you've got those voices telling you, you know what? You're condemned. You're filthy. You're dirty. You shouldn't be lifting your hands. You need to settle the score today and said I am done. Listening to that. I am done. 39 years ago today the very first time in my life I ever repented of my sins. 39 years ago today, I had just turned 30 years old. Little did I know, 10 years from that, I'd be in Spokane, Washington, starting a church from scratch. So you've come too late to tell me that this God's not worth living for. That's all I've been doing for the last 39 years. This is all I've been doing. And there's a whole lot of people out there in this region right now that is, is already over a million people in this region. And you know what? I believe in God for great revival. I believe in 2024 we're talking great revival. I believe, I be, no, I believe backsliders are already coming back. And if you don't like that term, forgive me. People that haven't been here and are lost are making their way back to God. I believe that the Spirit of God is going to sweep through this nation again and shake the prison house. Joseph got a dream. It was given to him by God. There is no way that Joseph comprehended and understood the nuances of that dream. But as I've already mentioned, he had already violated a cardinal rule of getting something from God. And that is to just be careful who you share it with. He was, (coughs) excuse me, young in his perception, immature in his relationships. And so, what made it probably worse is his father gave him a multicolored coat, which is a type of multicultural revival. And so, he not only looked different, but he was carrying, (coughs) excuse me, He was carrying a promise. He had one dream that was very organic. It was a sheaf in a field. And It could have been interpreted as the blessing of harvest. But with Joseph postured where sheaves are making obeisance to him, it appeared to his brethren that he was trying to say that I'm better than you guys. I'm going to tell you why I feel like God gave these dreams to Joseph was because that he knew that the survival of my family was dependent on me fulfilling these promises. It wasn't that you're going to bow before me and I'm, I'm going to be great and you're going to be nothing. That wasn't it at all. God was trying to convince him that the survival of your family is going to be dependent on you following through with this promise. But that is not how his family interpreted it. His family interpreted it in the most base, carnal understanding was that Joseph is saying he's better than us. We know this because Joseph was able to interpret the dream that Pharaoh got that there were going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of nothing. And that was used so that Joseph could stockpile and prepare for his family. It's always been about his family. It's always been about the nucleus of God's promise in the earth and keeping that secure. And so as we read these dreams, you have to keep in mind that it was not it was not a dream that would be the opposite of a low self-esteem or the opposite of a toxic shame self-image, or to overcome um, some type of bullied victim mentality in a person's life. that was, That's not this at all. This is talking about the preservation of God's promise, and what we're going to see here in just a few moments is that these dreams, they are all attached. When you get a vision and a dream, and through the years, you know been doing this be 30 years in May you know people bring some things to the pastor brother PJ is that you I thought you was sick you know there's just some people you're just not going to keep them away from the presence of God now don't come in here with the bubonic plague and start hugging everybody Don't you dare try to give me a holy kiss. We did away with that stuff a long time ago. Pastor, how come you guys don't do it? It's in the Bible. There are some things that you need to adjust for the sake of common sense. I'll settle for a hug from my wife and a firm handshake with everybody else. So I want you to see something. I'm not going to preach real long. If I feel like you're not getting it, I can always preach longer. And there are certain faces I look at in the crowd to see if they're getting it. And so they are kind of the preaching thermostat for the pastor. So if you don't want everybody to suffer, then look happy. God doesn't give anybody a promise or a prophecy for the sake of making them look good. In fact, before it's all over, you probably are not going to look good, feel good. (laughs) Man, when I first got saved, I was like, where are all the Jesus freaks? I love you. I need you. Where's all the Jesus freaks in the 21st century? I know you're out there. You're probably tired or sick or hungry. I had incredible aspirations, and <clears throat> desires to do something for God, even as a new convert. And I shared some things with my pastor, and he was in agreement. He said, that's God. But little did I know that the unfolding over the course of a lifetime, that it would have had the texture and some of the experiences would be included with that. So Joseph gets a dream. <clears throat> it's all about in the field. Whenever you see a sheaf, it is the representative representation of harvest. And it's the most organic of these dreams because it's in a field. And it's, but what they didn't like about it was the fact that Joseph is at the center and they are bowing their sheaves to him. So then he dreams again. And it is this second dream that goes beyond the limitations because it deals with the cosmos and deals with stars. You begin to see this duality between terra firma and the heavens in an original promise that God gave to Abraham. It's it, it as I began to look at this and felt like the Holy Ghost was peeling some pages of this. It started to really fascinate me how that all of this is connected. It is all connected. But God gave a vision <clears throat> to his great grandfather that his seed was going to be as the sand of the seashore and as the stars for multitude. So here we are, fast forward, and Joseph is now having a dream. That includes stars. And once again, he is in a particularly God-given position in the second dream, and his brethren hated him the more. Notice with me in verse number 11. This is where it begins to get interesting. And his brethren envied him. but his father observed. The word observe here means to regard. It means to preserve. It means to mark. His father, Israel, is listening to the firstborn of Rachel, And he said, I had one dream and now I got a second dream. And although his father rebuked him, probably caught up in the the attitude of his brethren, his father said, hmm. 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 That sounds familiar. Hmm. Now before we take that a step further, make no mistake about it, the nation of Israel the brethren of Joseph did make obeisance to him in order to see this dream fulfilled. And once again, I'm 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 being redundant on purpose because we think in our religiosity that when somebody gets a promise, it's it's for the somewhere in the mix, it's gonna promote them. I want to get this across. Brother Anderson, I want to get this. That when God gives you a promise, it's not so everybody can say, hey, look at that. It is to be of service. And in Joseph's condition, it was for his his family and for the nation of Israel and for the future of the nation of Israel. So Joseph is put into a pit. His father is told, I mean, these guys are nasty. They, they, they beat their brother up and put him down. They beat their brother up and put him down. Because he had a dream. You know, there was a prophet, a very well-known prophet that we had here at Cornerstone several times, tremendous man of God. He's now gone on to be with Jesus. We were having lunch one day, and he said, I know why God brought you to Spokane. I said, really, Why? To keep you safe. Okay. Pass the ketchup, pass the dip. So they put him, they beat him up and put him down. they took an animal skin or i'm sorry took his garment dipped it in blood and said he got he got attacked by an animal a cougar some some predatory beast his father grieved his father was upset these guys are nasty They're God's people. <laughs> and look what they did. Then they heard that Midianites were coming through. They were traders. They had a trunk line that came through, and there was a trunk line that existed from the two cradles of civilization from between the Tigris and Euphrates River and the Nile. And when the Midianites came through, his brethren said, All right, this is a way we can get rid of him and never deal with him again. And let's sell him as a slave to the Midianites. He went. He ended up on the the block. There's a man named Potiphar. A well-known man, a powerful man that bought Joseph as a slave. So the very first thing that Joseph had to overcome, he had to overcome resentment and bitterness. Resentment and bitterness are killers of the dream. And not only will it take you out, but it's gonna take out your children. It's gonna take out your siblings. It's gonna take out your dad. Because the reason why I'm, I'm being redundant because I'm really trying to, we, we've got our little idea because this is the stuff that's taught in Sunday school and it's a good lesson, it's a wonderful lesson. But we need to see it, it needs to be formed and shaped In reality. And the reality is, is that God did not do this for Joseph just for Joseph's sake. God was giving this to Joseph for your family's sake. The very guys that put you in that hole and beat you up are the very ones that are going to absolutely be the beneficiaries of you not getting bitter. And I'm preaching to somebody today. God sent me here today to preach to somebody that if you've got a promise that God's going to use you, you cannot afford to get bitter because the very people that are doing it, my God, I can feel it all over me right now. The people that are going to be the recipients of what God is going to do for you are the ones that are mistreating you. Let's lift our hands and give him the praise right now. I don't know who I'm preaching to but I'm telling you this is so in the holy ghost that you need to realize that if your family doesn't understand what you got just say don't fuss with them don't fight them put the bible away and and when the family gets together over thanksgiving dinner don't try to give everybody a 12 week bible study in 30 minutes put the bible up and say I'm just going to pray for you I'm going to love you I'm going to do whatever I can but we're we're not going to take that route right now because you got to understand that if you don't get bitter and you stay on track and you realize there's something that you're a part of that's bigger than you. It's it's bigger than your woundedness. It's bigger than your pain. It's bigger than your tears. It's bigger. But your family needs you. They need you to stay clean. They need you to stay pure. They need you to stay right. (laughs) Mom and dad, you can't afford to get bitter. Your children are dependent on you. My God, I'm in the Holy Ghost. And then you're going to have to overcome the lusts of the flesh. Here's a young man, good looking, highly favored. Bible said he had, a, had an excellent spirit. And Potiphar's wife was zeroing right in on him. If the bitterness can't take you out, then that spirit of fornication will try to take you out. My God, I'm preaching to somebody. It's time to turn the it's time to turn the computer off and get back on our knees. Yeah. Yeah. That promise that you have from God. You can whine and get ugly all you want, but it's your fault if it don't come to pass. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God says, I gave it to you. It's gonna happen, but I need you to stay on track. That incredible verse of scripture that is the most beautiful way to deal with sexual immorality. Are you ready? Flee fornication. Where did they get that? They got that from our brother Joseph. The Bible said that she pressed him daily. The worst thing you can do is be at home alone and not have the victory. And then when you come to the house of God, you can't lift your hand. You can't lift your voice. In fact, you're going to start mocking people that do have the victory. What you need to do is say, you know what, I'm going to take some inventory right here. I'm, a, I, I'm going to get around some people that love God. I'm going to get around some people that know how to live for God. I'm going to get around some people that are blessed. I'm tired of belly aching. I'm tired of pointing fingers. I'm tired of a bad attitude. I want blessing. I want favor. Somebody clap your hand to give God the praise. Love you. Good to see you. This is the last time I get to preach this year. What do you say? We don't look at the clock. In fact, in this church, you're going to have to turn around and look at the screen. But hold it. Remember Lot's wife. Come on, somebody. God is for you today. God's trying to wipe the carnality off that old promise and say it's still alive. It's still valid. It still has your name on it. You can't get away from it. You're going to be held accountable for it. If you made a bunch of dumb mistakes with your flesh, you don't need to find, you don't need to, you know, confess it to the church. There's one mediator between God and man. Knock it off. Because your promises are more important. You might enjoy the pleasure of sin in that empty house of yours for a season but you're going to come and sit in this pew and you're going to ask, where am I? And God sent your pastor here to tell you God still has his eye on you. God has not given up on you. God has not withdrawn his promise. God has not withdrawn any of that. God's wanting you to knock it off and get on track and say, you know what? I'm going to make the devil sorry you ever mess with me. I'm going to start pulling people out of the same thing. I'm going to go out and start giving Bible studies. I'm going to go out and start winning people. I'm going to go out and start talking to people. No, shut your computer off. Find a place to pray. Fast for a day. Somebody clap your hands, lift your voice. Let's give God some praise right now. The promise is still there. Your family's depending on you. Have you ever seen this? Have you ever seen this? Where you have one person will invite another person and the person they invite dives in and becomes an incredible saint and the person that brought him ends up backsliding. That person that brought you is depending on you to have a prayer life, to get a hold of God and say, God, I'm asking you to bring them back. I'm asking you, God, I owe them, I owe them my prayer. My God, I'm so in the Holy Ghost right now, I'm not gonna give up on anybody. My brother brought me to this. 39 years ago. I still pray for my family. And I dove into this lock, stock, and barrel. And he ended up backsliding. He has done everything in his power to try to stop what God was doing in my life because I think it was an open condemnation to him of where he should be. Bro, I'll pray for you every single day because I wouldn't be here if you hadn't obeyed the Holy Ghost. I want us to lift our hands right now and pray for the people that invited you to church. There may not even be, they may not even care where the Bible is. They may not even care what anybody thinks, but you wouldn't be here today. God, if you've got to reach into a bar, so be it. God, if you've got to reach into a den of iniquity, so be it. God, wake them up in the middle of the night. Let the voice of the Lord, let the the lamp of God lead them out. And let the word of God be a lamp under their feet and a light under their path. you got to overcome that lust of the flesh spirit. Well, man, I defeated bitterness, and I got through that, and I got through that. Well, yeah, there's a bigger devil. And trying to get you to sell out for the pleasures of sin for a season. And if you keep giving yourself to it, the devil wants to make you a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. To a lot of people that go through traumatic circumstances in their life, they might might not even know this. But you might be bound to the lust of the flesh just as a natural coping mechanism to get you through some of the trauma you've experienced. I'm in the Holy Ghost! But it's still a sin because it's man's way, it's the devil's way, and not God's way. Well, I don't even know where to start. What do I do? This is what you do. You find a place to pray. And you say, God, you can see where I'm at. And God says, you know what? Because you've exercised your choice. It is the misuse and the abuse of your choices. That's what this is all about. This side of the resurrection is about God giving us the ability to make choices Whereas before, I couldn't stop smoking, and I couldn't stop cussing, and I couldn't stop drinking, and I couldn't stop fornicating, and I couldn't stop unclean living. And when God showed up on the scene, I now have a choice, and it's not Alcoholics Anonymous. I now have a choice, and it's not a 12-step recovery program. I now have a choice, and it's not just find a good group of people in my neighborhood to share my story with. No. It's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that purchased your salvation that said, I know what it'll take to make you free. I know what it'll take to make you happy. I know what it'll take. There's somebody under the sound of my voice that's got a, you got a dream, a promise, a prophecy. You cannot afford the lust of the flesh to eclipse out the sun. Joseph escaped. All Potiphar's wife got was part of his garment, so she could show her husband, say, see, I had to fight him off. Here's part of his garment. And so they put Joseph in prison for almost 20 years. You got to pass the waiting text. Pastor, how long is it going to be like? Man, there's some people, listen, if, you, if you'd cut my hand, it'll bleed. I'm not a God pastor. I'm a human pastor. I don't have all your answers, but I know one that has your answers. And I can't do your praying for you. I mean, I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. But I, when it gets to this level, I can't do your praying for you. It's too much to ask one human being. No, I'm not, this, uh, this is not the pity portion of this service. I, I don't feel, I'm not upset about it. I, I don't feel anything. I'm just saying that if you get to the point where God has given you a promise, God's gonna expect you to pray. In fact, God's not going to give you a promise to you already have manifested a certain level of Christian characteristics so that God is not going to waste that. He's not going to speak it and it not come to pass. When God speaks it, it is intended to come to pass. When God speaks it in your life, you are determined and mandated to be a success. Well, nothing's happening. It's just same old, maybe you're not doing your part. Let me, just, let me just be real. I'm not upset, I'm not ugly, but I'm just being real. You know, if you don't have a regular prayer life, don't be blaming the pastor, the church, your wife, your parents, or anybody else. Is there any afflicted? Yes. Let him pray. That's all you gotta do if you're afflicted. God says, I'll help you. I'll help you. I don't want to pray. My flesh doesn't want to pray. That's where the battle is. It ain't even the devil. Why don't we quit blaming the devil? Pastor, I don't want to pray because the devil's telling me not to. No, that's your flesh. Quit blaming the fl- your flesh on the devil. He ain't that smart. If you'll pray, God will move. Pastor, I I don't feel like I can pray an hour a day. Okay, pray 15 minutes. Nothing happens in 15 minutes. That's because you haven't learned how to pray. you got to learn that when you get down to pray, I'm getting beyond this veil called the flesh. I don't feel like I have really prayed unless I got beyond the veil and I can now touch him and he can touch me and I can hear him, I can see him, I can feel him. That's available to everybody. But you have to discipline yourself. I rebuke every lion spirit. I rebuke every lion devil. I rebuke every spirit trying to keep you in that cell of of guilt and shame and and feeling like you're the victim. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I will pray. I will lift up his name. I will believe in the promises of God that you're yea and amen. Hallelujah. I've only got two hours left. Genesis 42 and 6 says this. And Joseph was the governor over the land. What? He was in a pit. He was tempted with fornication. He was in a prison for 20 years. And now he's the governor of the land. What kept Joseph going? Probably every day, he thought about his brethren, and it wasn't rehearsing what they'd done to me. Those of you out there in Pew land, that all you can do is replay what they'd done to me, what they said. They hurt me, and all you can do is replay this. You're never going to get to it. You're never going to get out of that pit. You're going to have to change how you think, and you're going to have to start saying, I'm going to think about the promise. I'm not going to think about the pain. I'm going to think about the promise. I'm not going to think about temptation. I'm going to think about the prophecy. I'm not going to think about the prison. You have to condition yourself. Pastor, when am I going to get married? Don't. What are you asking me for? I remember one time there was a, a sister that went to this church. I am telling you, she would, if I saw her coming in this door, I went out the other door. <laughs> pastor, when am I going to get married? It got so bad I just thought about carrying a little three-by-five car. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't say I don't care. I just said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Pastor, pastor. Pastor, pastor. One time, brother Ari Prado was here, and uh, we went out to eat. <clears throat> we ended up over at some saint's house after church, and and she was there. And she started, "Pastor, I'm not talking about." Have you ever seen? I got to be careful now. I just felt a check. <sighs> Let me get back over over here, where my home dogs are. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever seen somebody that just, and the devil's telling them, you're going to be an old maid. You're going to be old and gray, and that fear just, and 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 the byproduct of that fear. Is, Pastor Win, Pastor Win, Pastor Win, Pastor Win. Well, brother, brother Prado picked up on this. He said, "Hey, you know, brother Prado, we're not like to see." Anybody like Brother Ari Prado again in our lifetime. I love the man. Like, I just, Sister Prado was supposed to be here this weekend with us, but she got sick. They're coming in January. Her and Ayla and Nora. And I want this to be their second home. We need to pray that people overcome the fear of Frosty, the snowman, because they have haunting images of a snowman. Pastor, it's July, and the snowman is still, hey, but I'm not in control of this stuff. Pray. (laughs) Pastor, when am I gonna get married? Brother Prado picked up this. He said, hey, Listen. You know what I just I was he, I was listening to him. He said I was in the same boat you were in. He said I quit complaining. I just started praising God, thanking God, and God. When you're ready, I'm ready. I don't want to be alone. You know it's not good for a man to be alone. And that includes a woman. Hallelujah. Somebody in the cheap sheet seat say, say Amen. And within two weeks, Prince Charming showed up. I'm not going to tell you who it is because you'll say pastor was talking about you don't do that I need someone to make me a sweatshirt that says the pastor is not talking about you he's preaching to the devil that's on your shoulder you'll get married when God wants you to be married did it ever dawn on you that while you're sitting here wringing your hands Thinking that Mr. Wright will never come, that God's actually preparing Mr. Wright. You better be glad God doesn't give you who you want to have when you think you're. I need a few mom and dads just to clear your throat right now. Something. Wiggle your ears. Because what can happen if God gives you somebody when you first think you're ready to get married? Pastor. We need counseling. And I'm thinking, you know, she's holding a butter knife to your throat saying you're going to, you will, you will sell that boat. (laughs) Don't call me up. Pastor, ah, click. <laughs> Dude, you need your own prayer life to get out of that stuff. <laughs> Realize, no, I'm making a very salient point, then I'm gonna move on. Realize that the more spiritual you become, the more spiritual your mate is going to become. When it's your choice, when you think you're ready, God's into matching people. You know, it's against the Old Testament to put a mule with a horse. And y'all are horses. I meant that as a compliment. Now, Sister Rose, it really gets better than this. I, I just, I don't know what to tell. But this is my last opportunity to preach I'll be teaching on Tuesday and preaching today. but So I'm throwing a lot in here because it's a long haul through those holidays. And you can be stuck in a house for long hours. But when people are in the Holy Ghost and it's a spiritual home, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I'm almost done. Let's give God the praise. Somebody, let's praise him. God knows all things. Let Him do the finishing touches. Let him do it. Let's look at um, Genesis 43:26. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand, and they bowed themselves to the earth. "Aha! That was in a prophecy. Little did they know that God put Joseph out in front because of a promise that he gave his great-grandfather in Genesis chapter number 15. In Genesis chapter number 15, God spoke to Abraham and said, your seed is going to be like the sand of the seashore and the stars of heaven, but in the fourth generation, I'm going to bring them out of great substance. That was talking about Egyptian captivity, that God was going to bring them out with great substance. Well, here's God posturing them in Egypt so he can fulfill a promise that he gave to Abraham that then he gave to Joseph. Both of them included the terrestrial and the extraterrestrial, the natural and the supernatural, and so all promises go together. This is really where I want to go, and I'm... I'm going to park it. There are some precious people under the sound of my voice. You need to dream again. I also think that God gave Joseph two dreams because he was warming Joseph up with the first dream. The second dream was the real dream was the one that tied both Genesis chapter 15. We're gonna take a real quick peek what God did with his father Jacob, which is why when Jacob heard that prophecy, Jacob said, hold it. If you have a mom and a dad that are living on the promises of God, God wants that to become generational. Like there, there might be somebody here today, maybe not, but maybe th- God has that for you. God is saving that for you. You can you can you can you can play your little game, you can you can literally these video games they're now they now have psychological 12 step recovery programs. For people that are addicted to video games. I mean, I mean they're 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 totally caught up in a world of fantasy, real relationships, genuine relationships that require real communication and real responsibility. It's just it's too much for them. But God is saving for you all of those blessings all of that maturity and Parents don't give up on your children. I know you won't. Man when Jacob heard that Joseph was still alive Incredible God is still doing the same things today. Joseph was aware that his brethren was coming because God empowered Joseph. This is what got him out of prison, was he interpreted the dream that Pharaoh had, that there were going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine? God is always going to give the edge to his people to be able to interpret where the world is. We know where the world is more than the world knows. That's why we're not supposed to be like the world because God has to have somebody that is the recipient of supernatural information. And that's the church. That's what the church is. The church is not a place where we look like the world and act like the world and see how fleshly we can become and still have Jesus. That That is so unbiblical. God has always required that his medium is separate. That is the only requirement by God to be supernaturally endowed is to be separated. You have to be separated. Your home has got to be separated. Your heart has got to be separated. This church has got to be separated. And then God said, that's all I needed was a medium. And now I'm going to supernaturally move through that medium that is going to not to elevate them. Here we go, Joseph. That's not to make you look good. That's to let everybody know this is how you get it. This is where you go. This is what it takes. Dream again. Well, Pastor, I made some mistakes. It does not change the promises. That may change you. But it will not change the promises of God that are yea and amen. And the gifts and callings of God or without repent. What that means is, when it goes forth, when God speaks it, I hate to use this term, but you'll understand it. God is not an Indian giver. If you're Indian here today, I apologize profusely. And I don't mean anything disrespectful by that. But God is not going to say, and then take it back. But what our flesh wants to tell us And what the fallen spirit world wants to tell us is you're no longer eligible. It's time to dream again. Could it be that the real successes in the church of the living God are not people that can walk through walls and walk on water? but it could it simply be that people have learned how to get back up let's lift our hands and just pray for a minute i feel the holy ghost right now talking to somebody I love you Jesus. I'm thankful for these people here today. I want to dream again. Things will make a lot more sense if I can attach it to a supernatural dream. Things will make a lot more sense if I can see this whole thing from God's perspective. I don't know how much I should say. I know I need to close here in a minute, but the gravity, the gravity of this is incredible. I would have never chosen Spokane, Washington. I've never lived in the snow in my life. Before I got saved, snow was a big pile of cocaine. When we finally moved here, there was a... older woman that passed her across town my wife and I loved her she was she was real different she was very unique but when we first moved here I think she hated me well she acted like she hated me then she told me she loved me but from day one my wife and I loved her she was just I, I, if some, somebody's watching this today, I don't want you to get bent out of shape, but she was like a museum piece. She was, like, she was like something from another era. She fascinated me. But she had this way of, she wasn't, I don't believe in women pastors. That's part of the problem. She would yell at people. Her song leader was a big tall guy by the Bill Knudsen. And one time we were there, and she yelled at him. She said, I don't want that song. So they went to another song. She was just different. She told me, she said, Brother Mayo. She said, when my husband Verniel died, I've heard a lot of great things about Verniel Crosley. Um, I met him when he was dying. I I wish I could have. I wish I could have had a relationship with him. I just, when I, by the time I got here, he was, a, he was a dying man. But she told me, she said, Brother Mayo, there were 35 men when Verniel got sick and eventually died. She said that there were 35 men that said that God told them to come to Spokane. And while she was choking back tears, she said, you're the only one that came. And I said, Mrs. Crossey, I came because I didn't come to take your church. I came to start one. Through the years, my wife and I'd go to the family camp. At the time, they had a campground over on the um, Yakima River in Cleelum. Beautiful piece of property. They sold it. I can remember people telling me, Brother Mayo, you know God has in these camp meetings has prophesied that there's going to be great revival in the Northwest, not for the lifting up of a man, Joseph, cornerstone. In part, we have have been been the recipient of some of those prophecies. What they didn't understand is when they were given those prophecies is God was going to have to import people to the Northwest. Because the Northwest historically did not promote home missions. They they promoted foreign missions. Isn't this right, Elder Sargent? They produced some of the greatest foreign missionaries that our movement has ever seen, but they did not talk about home missions. And because I made a couple boo-boos by the porter because I got up in a couple of public meetings and told them my dream. I won't go into lots and lots and lots and lots of details. But during, right after COVID, the uh, women's director of the ladies department called me up. She said, Brother Mayo, she said, "Uh, we can't find a hotel over here. She said, we haven't had a ladies' conference in two years, and we can't find a hotel over here in the Seattle area that'll let us have a conference without masks and gloves and social distancing and all that. On top of that, they want thousands of dollars. I'm almost done. If you're a clock watcher, I've been preaching a little bit over an hour. And I'm feeling a second wind coming. So the ladies' director of called me up and said, could we use your building for a ladies' meeting? I'm no longer in the ditch. I said, you sure can. And we're going to provide ushers, a sound man, and we're not going to charge you one dime. Hold it. Four months ago, they called up. They said Cornerstone Pentecostal Church is the only church in this entire state that could host our youth conference. Could we use our building? I said, let me check my calendar. If it had not been two weeks before summit, I would have said, yeah. I'm reminded of what Joseph said. He said, God sent me. Let's stand. Somebody needs to dream again. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. God saw you as a pastor. God saw you as an evangelist. God saw you as a saint. God saw you as a God-anointed wife, mother, leader. God saw you as an anointed husband, leader. Well, pastor, you don't know. You don't know. I don't need to know. Dream again. Let's lift our hands and love him. God has not given up on you. God is so for you. We're going to go ahead and open up this altar right now. Why don't you just, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God's got that for you. You've been dreaming about having a walk with God that's powerful, rich, and real, and absolutely biblical. You're in the right place. Let's come. Brother Jordan, why don't we play a little bit of music and let's pray. Somebody need to dream Again. God, I pray that you'll open up the windows of heaven. Begin to speak. Come on, somebody love him. Let's reach out in faith here today. Let God begin to wipe off the promises of God. Make them fresh. Relevant. I'm not going to listen to all the naysayers. I'm not going to listen to all the negativity. I'm not going to. Come on, Joseph. Posture yourself so you can dream again.